God's holy word, I would ask that you would join me in reading verses 1 through 7, and then I will read verses 8 through 19. We'll read verses 1 through 7. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. We'll have it on the screen as well. Proverbs chapter 1, beginning with verse number 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction and wise dealing and righteousness, justice and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. For they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole, like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird, but these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set, in, they set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We begin now in what is called wisdom literature. And it begins with, and we are in this book called Proverbs. We begin Proverbs chapter 1 with some introductory matters. And we learn from the outset the purpose of the Proverbs. First of all, we want to look together at the purpose of Proverbs. It begins, verse 1, with telling us that these are the Proverbs of Solomon. We must first ask ourselves, what is a proverb? 
So first of all, let's look at Proverbs defined. Proverbs defined. That word proverb means likeness or comparison. A proverb then is an object lesson based on or using some comparison or analogy. A proverb is an object lesson based on or using some comparison or analogy. Proverbs are given to us to help us choose the best course of action. They are observations on reality which tell us how best to cope in this human experience. Proverbs are lessons that give general truths and not absolute truths. Let me give that to you again. Proverbs are lessons that give general truths and not absolute truths. We, let, let me give you an example in, uh, of a modern-day proverb as a general truth. One of our modern-day proverbs is like father, like son. Yet, there are times when a son is not like his father. However, this exception, these exceptions don't invalidate the general rule. They, 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 the, the general rule still applies like father, like son. So we must realize that Proverbs identify and name the underlying patterns and principles that abide normally in the course of human experience. They are general truths and not absolute truths. And so that affects even how we interpret and apply Proverbs to our lives. We, we must realize as we read Proverbs and attempt to interpret them that Proverbs are not promises or laws. Proverbs are not inflexible laws built into the creation of God. It, the, there are no exceptions with God's laws. But as we saw in that modern-day proverb, there can be exceptions. So they're not like laws. Proverbs are not like promises. Promises bind God unconditionally to fulfill them. Proverbs are not that way. Well, you're saying, so why then... Should we even read, study, listen to sermons on the book of Proverbs? Because all scripture is inspired and, and, and profitable for us. So that's Proverbs defined. Now the author takes the time to declare some purposes. So look at the purposes declared in verses 2 through 6. The purposes declared in verses 2 through 6. Verse 2, he says, to know wisdom 
and instruction to understand words of insight. What is wisdom? Wisdom is our practical skills for living. Wisdom is practical skills for living. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. Uh, yeah, yeah, see, it's important for us to distinguish knowledge from wisdom because just because you know a lot don't mean you wise. Where I'm from, they will say there's a bunch of educated fools. <laughs> wisdom is the application of knowledge. It is the ability to make choices and live successfully according to the standards of righteousness. So it's the application of knowledge, practical skill for living. That's wisdom. What is instruction? Instruction, let, let, me, let me do some work and then I'll get to it. We're going to get there. Instruction means training, discipline, correction. It is to chastise. It, it is training by way of correction. It is to correct moral faults. That's instruction. The word understand in verse 2 means to discern. And to discern is to distinguish between things, compare concepts, and form evaluations. So then, what we see is that the overall purpose of Proverbs is both mental and moral. They, they, they are both to affect how we think and how we act. They, they are given to us for the purpose of learning and living. The world says live and learn. Proverbs says learn and live. Now, verse 3 and 4, these purposes are, are uh, explored a little more. That verse 3 speaks to the student. Verse 4 speaks to the teacher. Verse 3 speaks to the student or the disciple telling him or her, verse 3, to receive instruction and in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity. That word receive means to accept. It is incumbent on the student, the disciple, to accept it, to receive it. And beloved, that requires humility. You must submit yourself under the authority and instruction of someone else. The, the, the student, the wise individual, must be teachable. He who is not teachable is a fool. So then, accepting instruction, according to the author, will result in prudent living and wise behavior. And this will be, this prudent living and wise behavior will be manifested or evidenced in three areas of life. Righteousness, justice, and equity. Righteousness speaks to the conformity to God's standard. Justice is about making right decisions. And equity speaks to being fair or a person of integrity. So then prudent living results in people who do what's right, 
decide by what's right and are upright in their integrity. That's what results to the student, the disciple who receives instruction. We move from the student in verse 3 to the teacher in verse 4. If one is, if the student is receiving, then the teacher is to give. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Prudence means, that word means shrewdness, which refers to having sharp judgment in practical matters. And this shrewdness is to be given to the simple. That word simple is one who is naive, gullible. One, one, one commentator says that their word means they are morally brainless. And so the job of the teacher is to give prudence to the morally blameless. The, the simple art, the gullible, the, they, they can be convinced easily to do stupid stuff and make foolish decisions. And so they need shrewdness that comes from the lips of a wise teacher. So he speaks to the simple, but then he says, but wait, people who are wise by whatever standard, you can also learn from Proverbs. You don't get to go, I'm wise, so I don't need to listen to this sermon series. The author says, no, 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 verse 5. He speaks to the wise. Hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance. Wise people listen carefully with the intent of practicing what they've heard. Wise people never stop learning. Wise people never think, oh, I've arrived intellectually. They keep learning and learning and learning. So those are the purposes of the book of Proverbs. That is what we can hold the author accountable to as we study the rest of the book of Proverbs. So then we, after these purposes are declared, he, he, he says, I'm gonna derive for you a principle. Verse seven, here is a principle that you need to learn. Verse seven, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Beloved, this principle, verse 7, is the theological foundation of all of the book of Proverbs. The, the fear of the Lord is the prerequisite to knowledge. The fear of the Lord is also the goal of knowledge. The, the fear of the Lord is both the doorway and the pathway of knowledge. But I know why you're sitting there not, 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 not saying anything. You're saying, Brandon, what is the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is indeed, I believe, to be a two-sided coin. On one side, when we think of fear of the Lord, on one side is the side of terror. 
or dread. Beloved, when we really behold our God, we should stand in dread and be terrified. When we behold God as he is, we, we see one who is glorious and majestic and holy and wonderful. And as we behold him, we see ourselves for who we really are. Sin-stained sinners. We, we see God for who he really is. He is all-knowing and ever-present and all-powerful and loving and gracious and merciful. And we are not. And so when we stand before a most glorious and holy God, we ought to be in some fear. So that is one side of the coin. But the other side of the coin, of when we speak of the fear of the Lord, is the side of holy awe. See, the fear of the Lord... That one side, the first side, is terror or dread. But that shouldn't cause us to run away from him. That should cause us to bow down before him. That's the fear of the Lord on this side. We, we ought to stand in amazement and awe as we behold our God. As we behold this glorious and majestic God, it ought to cause us to bow down in worship and adoration. So then when we put these two sides together, we see that the fear of the Lord causes us to shrink back in terror. But it also calls us to draw close in awe. That's the fear of the Lord. So the fear of the Lord, the author says, is the foundation, the starting point, and the aim of knowledge. Beloved, can I just put a pen right here in my manuscript and say some of the reasons some of us don't worship like we ought to when we show up on Sunday morning is because we, we don't stand in awe of this holy God. If we really feared the Lord, we would be more obedient to this holy God. The reason some of these chains can't be broken is because we don't fear the Lord like we ought to. And when we really fear him and behold him, we ought to say, Lord, here I am. Hey, Use me. Even though I'm a sinner, I'm done. I'm so glad that the blood of Jesus cleanses me and now I can worship you. The fear of the Lord. So the author says that's the starting point. The continuing uh, uh, path and the aim of all knowledge is to fear the Lord. But by contrast, fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools find wisdom and instruction worthless and contemptible. And the author's point, I think, is simple. Don't be a fool. So that's the purpose of Proverbs with a foundational principle to summarize it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
So then, I told you the Proverbs are object lessons, and so we get our first object lesson in the next section, verses 8 through 19. And this object lesson has to do, secondly, with the perverse power of peer pressure. The perverse power of peer pressure. That was supposed to be my second point. I must have messed that up. Sorry. Slides. Second point, the perverse power of peer pressure. I was feeling the peas today. The first thing we see in this section under the perverse power of peer pressure in verses 8 through 9 is the counsel of parents. The counsel of parents. Verse 8, hear my son. Your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching. The, 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 the counsel of the parents to the son is listen to us. Don't forget it. Don't stop doing it. In this section in verses 8 through 19, what we will encounter are two competing Voices, the voice of wisdom and the voice of foolishness. There are two competing voices, the voice of the parents and the voice of this gang, these thugs. The son, the student, the disciple is exhorted from the very beginning to hear, shema. Here with the intent of keeping what you've heard, of, of obeying what you heard. So the father starts by telling his son, listen up. Listen to the voice of wisdom. Listen to my voice and don't forsake what your mother has taught you. Look at what these Proverbs show us is that both father and mother are involved in the rearing and raising and discipleship of this child. Beloved, I'm convinced that these parents get it. They get Deuteronomy 6, which tells parents, Christian parents, to teach the faith to your children. These parents, can, can I just use my sanctified imagination because it is sanctified? These parents get it that it is our job as parents to disciple our children and not to outsource that to youth group. Which means that in my sanctified imagination, these parents probably didn't leave a church or go to a church just based off the kids' ministry. I, I, listen, listen, listen. I ain't scared of nobody and I ain't jealous of no other church most of the time. <laughs> we just talked about confession of sin, you know. So. <laughs> we, were, we were in Dallas this past week, uh, uh, Dominic, Emily, and I, we went to Dallas to a church leaders conference, and we went into their kids' building, which was, their kids' building is bigger than our sanctuary. Their kids' building, and the main reason that it was so, one of the main reasons that it was so big, Dominic was so excited about this, is because they have a huge treehouse <laughs> in the middle of their kids' building. I love it. I, I, listen, we serve a God of joy, and I want people, I want our children to experience joy. 
When, when they encounter God and they are amongst the people of God, I, I'm all for it. But we now live in a time where people choose a church over a treehouse rather than fidelity to the gospel, which the church we went to was faithful to the gospel, by the way. And that, but faithfulness to the gospel should have been primary in the priority. The health of the parents should have, I'm just doing some pastoring right now. I'm all out of this text. The health of the parents is the priority. What children need are strong, healthy parents. Now we've got a lot of parents who say, I'll suffer, I'll allow my soul to suffer for the sake of my kid. That ain't, that, that ain't biblical, that ain't scripture. You gotta be strong so you can make strong kids. Strength breeds strength. All right, I'll get back to my manuscript. Parents, listen to your parents. So I, I, I don't talked about the parents. Let me fuss at the children now. Stop, stop acting like you know everything. You don't know nothing. You just showed up. You, you, for you to learn something, you got to go and Google it. Believe anything that you hear and read and see on the internet. Listen to your parents. They, they've already experienced some stuff for you. They've already endured some heartache, some pain, and, and some troubling experience. And now they are trying to keep you from having to go through what they went through. Listen up. That's what the father says. Listen. Stop calling your parents boomers and, and old and old-fashioned and all that. They, they may be, but I'm telling you, they know some stuff. Amen. By the way, if there's one series you want your children to, to hear, it's Proverbs. Okay? Get your children to church during this series. For sure. Because that's who's, who's being addressed many of the time, the son, youth. All right, where am I? <laughs> Competing voices. We all live in a world and a culture now of competing voices. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat. Competing. Listen, you want to know something? Since y'all let me get on my soapbox this morning, thank y'all. Y'all want to know one of my biggest problems with Facebook is everybody thinks they are a qualified theologian. <laughs> Everybody's a philosopher. Everybody is a sage, a wise person. What social media has become is a a collection of us exchanging ignorance with one another. Y'all say, Brandon, you sound so old right now. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Spirit, because I was about to say something. Listen, I got them all. I got Facebook, Instagram. What else I got, Kenny? Yeah. Them the main two. So this is not anti-social media. It's just we got to be aware of the voices. 
And we've got to learn to be discerning. There's voices. There's competing voices. If, you, if it ain't social media, it's talk radio. And we have made these hosts of talk radio, uh, uh, we have made them infallible. If they say it, it must be true and it's got to be right. Competing voices, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, NPR, competing voices. Self-help books. And so my question to you is simple. Which voices are you listening to? Which voices are you hearing? Which voices are you allowing to inform you and form you? Voice in Proverbs, what we're going to see is competing voices. We see the council of parents, the courting of peers, uh, oh, that's already up there. Oh, <laughs> Tori, like, come on, Brandon, move on. Okay, quoting of peers, verse 10. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Sinners will try to persuade you to join in with them in their sin. And the father's advice to the son is don't do it. Don't be willing. Don't satisfy their request. Don't acquiesce to their courting. Beginning in verse 11, we actually hear the voice of these thugs. They want to ambush innocent people, rob them, devour them. The gang promises the son easy money. And fools always want the easy way. They, they despise earning honest wages. They are impatient. Fools crave instant gratification. So that's the, the courting of the peers. But then he ends, the father in his instruction, he ends with two conflicting paths. Two conflicting paths. Verse 15, my son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. The father's instruction to the son is don't join in in their ways and, and the roads that they are going down. Don't participate in their foolishness because they are on a path of self-destruction. The father says in verse 18 that they, that these gang members, these thugs, they lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. In other words, they have set their own trap. They are destroying their own lives. They are going to reap what they have sown. And so the summary in verse 19 from this father to his son is such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain takes away the life of its possessors. At the heart of what this game was after, the motivation was greed. What are some applications from this lesson? First of all, we need to make sure we're listening 
to the right voices. Beloved, there will always be competing voices. As followers of Christ, as sons and daughters of God, we must listen to the voice of God. How do I know when God is speaking to me? It's in his word. God has spoken. He has revealed himself. The voice of God is revealed in holy scripture. So we hear from God through his word. His word reveals his ways. His word reveals his will. So we must listen to his voice. But we must also listen to the voice of God through whom God has ordained and called to be voices of wisdom. Yes, this is a call for you all to seek spiritual counsel. God has given to the church pastors and elders and teachers. Seek their counsel. Go to them. And by the way, this, this is going to seem... Uh, let me just tell you. Learn to listen to your pastor. Learn to listen to your pastors. One of the going jokes in my small group is, I'm just a figurehead. Everybody, everybody's pastor in my bridge group is uh, Tim Keller. <laughs> Tim Keller's legit. All right? I like to do. Most of the time. Listen to your local pastor as well. Listen, listen, listen. I, 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 I don't think I'm that jealous of Tim Keller. God has given to Tim Keller, John MacArthur, <laughs> Alistair Begg, Begg uh, who else got to listen to Chuck Swindoll, uh, that good dude at Matt Chandler. All these celebrities, David Platt, all these celebrity pastors. I thank God for, I listen to them too. You can come look at my phone after church and I got a podcast. They all on there. Most of them. I, 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 I'm thankful for, God has given them a platform and he's given them a measure of gifting when it comes to teaching that is effective and all, and, and I'm thankful. But I, I just want y'all to know that your local pastor has been given a measure of gifting as well. I promise y'all I'm not salty right now. But, 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 but many of your pastors, and I'm speaking to everybody because we've got people here who don't attend the bridge regularly. Your local pastor, most of, a lot of them, they've gone to seminary. They've done the work. They've taken the Greek. They've taken the Hebrew. They've taken the theology courses. They spent night laboring in the word, praying to God, agonizing over the text. They're they doing the same thing that John and James and all them other ones are doing. Listen to your pastor. Listen to you. One thing that Tim Keller can't do is he can't hold you accountable. He don't know you. 
Tim Keller ain't going to come visit you when you in need. And then the other thing is, y'all listen to some voices that really make me real nervous. Okay, voices like, what's that fellow name from Elevation Church? Stephen Furtick, there it is. Okay, I'm telling you, be careful. And yeah, I'm calling out names because that's what Paul does in some of his letters. Be, be, be careful. Everybody that say they standing for God ain't really speaking for God. And I'm saying this out of love. Listen to the right voice. Listen, listen to, to, to people who have been called to be parents and teachers and elders and, and mentors and disciples. Listen to the right voice. That's, that's my point. Secondly, another application is don't give in to peer pressure. There will always be pressure to conform to this world. And one of the reasons that that pressure is there is because we all desire acceptance, approval. We have a deep longing to belong, which I think is God-given. The problem is we satisfy these longings with worldly people and worldly pleasure. I think one of the tangential applications is we got to mind the company we keep. Bad company corrupts good morals. So this son is saying, don't listen to them. That's bad company. The father saying this, don't, don't, what? Everybody can't be your friend. I don't care how popular they are, how cool they are, how, how, how much status they have. Uh-uh, everybody can't be your friend. Watch who you hang with. Because they may pressure you to do things that are against the voice of God. Finally, saints, don't be greedy. That's the summary. He says, such are the ways of everyone who is grieved for unjust gain. And when we are greedy, we become very susceptible to instant gratification. And we do some foolish stuff. Not only is Proverbs going to talk to us about easy money, it's also going to talk to us in a few weeks about easy sex. Instant gratification. We see it in pornography, through prostitution, through sex trafficking. We want easy stuff. We, we don't want to do the, the wise way, the voice of God, which, which says, hold on. This is great, but I want you to save it for this covenant union called marriage. We, we want to be instantly gratified. We, we, we want easy sex, we want easy money, we want easy paths to authority. We have to learn to be patient. Wait on the Lord. 
And while you're waiting, and be of good courage. There is a voice that is the most important voice. And that's the voice of the great shepherd. John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. We have a shepherd. He knows us by name. Church, whoo, hallelujah. The king of kings knows my name. Thank you, God. Tim Keller may not know your name, but Jesus does. Biden, Trump, Bernie, all of them, they, they, they don't know none of y'all's names, but Jesus does. King of kings, lords of lords. He knows my name. He, he is the great shepherd, and he says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. The great shepherd offers to you eternal life, life abundantly. And this great shepherd says that to, to those whom he gives eternal life, they will never perish. The death, physical death, is not our end. We have life after death. And it was with life with God, life with Jesus. Oh, I want to see him. Look upon his face. Here's the security that this great shepherd gives to those who listen to his voice. He says, no one will snatch them out of my hand. Satan can try as hard as he wants to, but I'm in the Lord's hand. And Satan can't snatch me out of it. He, he can't do it. That's, that's why I like to sing so much, I'm saved, saved, saved. Even when I'm low down and no good and I have them moments from time to time, I'm still saved. Because Jesus says, you can't snatch it out of my hand. Satan can't snatch it out of my hand. Sin can't snatch me out of his hand. Death can't snatch me out of his hand. I'm there eternally. Glory be to God. Somebody in this room, come on worship team, needs to hear the voice of Jesus Christ. And he bids you come to him. Sinner, come, come to this great shepherd. Come, he wants to give you eternal life. Come so you can receive forgiveness for your sins. Come to this shepherd who died for his sheep. Come to this shepherd who was buried for his sheep. Come to this shepherd who now lives and he has victory over sin, Satan, and death. Come and he will give you life eternally. So somebody needs to respond to his voice. You can be known. You, 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 all these longings of acceptance and approval, uh, uh, they, they, Jesus will give that to you. Jesus says, I accept you as you are. Jesus says, I approve of you in that you've been justified by my blood. And Jesus says, you now belong because you are in me and I am in you. And now you have a family. You have brothers and sisters in Christ. You don't have to go and get that from the world and belong. You now have a family called the church where you can belong. 
where you will be loved and affirmed. And so, hear his voice. And any voice that contradicts his voice is a foolish voice. He is the personification of wisdom. He is the logos, the word of God. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you have shared your wisdom with us. And so help us to be a people who are knowledgeable, discerning, and wise. Lord, make us sensitive to the Holy Spirit who is in us to convict us, to lead us, to guide us. God, give us discernment to tune out voices that are in contradiction to your word and your ways. And Father, if there be some man, one man, woman, boy, or girl in this room or on this stream who has not yet turned to Jesus for forgiveness of sins, Holy Spirit, will you begin to be a voice so loud in their ear that they acknowledge their sinfulness and, the, and they now stand under God's wrath. And help them hear your voice so clearly saying, turn to Jesus, repent and believe. In the mighty, majestic, wonderful name of Jesus we pray. Amen.